What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Gridiron segment here in House Call Sports. I'm Sammy Hot Takes, aka Sammy. That is Justin. That is Ricky. And we're here to go ahead and gonna discuss the Super Bowl that took place between the San Francisco 49ers and the Kansas City Chiefs. Before we get into the meat and potatoes of that, a quick word from Vivid Seats. Vivid Seats is the most trustworthy and easy to navigate ticketing website. They have reliable and rewarding tickets and a 100% buyer's rate guarantee, which means your transaction will be safe and secure. You will get full service, customer care, and the compensated by any canceled events. And the, it's only it's the only app around that's got the ticket rewards program. All that means is, is that the NBA season is still going on. I know NFL is over and a lot of people are heartbroken. What are you going to do for the next month, next seven months? Look, you got WWE events. That's a hot topic right now. You got the NBA. You got the MLB just around the corner. If you like tennis, maybe there's a tennis event around there. Grab your seats at Vivid Seats. They're guaranteed. Hit the link in the description and go sit vividly. Now, what are we here for? Ladies and gentlemen, I'm just going to cut right to the chase. I know I am not one to speak because I get everything wrong. But one thing I'm not wrong on is the greatness of Patrick Mahomes. Patrick Mahomes did it again. He won his third Super Bowl MVP. He wins his third ring in general. Back to back. Again, the Kansas City Chiefs do it once again. Ladies and gentlemen, I don't think I need to repeat myself, but I'm going to anyway. We're witnessing the best QB to ever exist. And I now understand that the, the narratives for Tom Brady are there. The narratives for Peyton Manning are still alive. Joe Montana. The fact that we're even mentioning those names and Patrick Mahomes is only 28 years old is just a testament to his greatness. And he's not done. That's the that's the craziest part about it is that seven seasons in we're here talking about Patrick Mahomes next to Peyton Manning next to Tom Brady next to Joe Montana and it's just his first six seven seasons of his career I can only imagine 10 years from now what his accolades are going to look like now are they going to be Tom Brady-esque I don't think so I don't think anybody can catch Tom Brady getting eight rings seems absurd but Patrick Mahomes is on pace and the fact that you're on pace to catch the goat I mean I don't know what else you need to say he's in my opinion is having the best start to a Super Bowl my bad the best start to a NFL career in NFL history and you could argue the best start in pro sports history all-time greatness we're seeing here from Patrick Mahomes. Enough of the glazing. I know what you're thinking. What did I just come into? Pause. What we're going to do is we're going to go to Justin. We're going to go to Ricky. And I know Ricky's pissed off because his divisional rival did it again. Went to the Super Bowl again. Now, the good thing is you guys can say, your Raiders can say, that you beat the champs at their house. Something that the Dolphins couldn't do. And that the Giants wish they could be in a position they could be in. Look, man. Ricky, I want to hear your thoughts. What did you think about this game? Tell me the key moment in that game where you thought to yourself, yeah, Patrick Mahomes is going to do it again. Oh, man. Where to start? Um, gosh. Yeah, they, they he did it again, man. You know, and as a you know lifelong Raider fan, you know, to see him hoist the Lombardi Trophy in our building and, you know, celebrate in our locker room and all of that stuff, it just made it, uh, you know, it's it just stung a little bit more, <laughs> you know. But uh, to be completely honest with you, as I was watching that game, uh, specifically in the fourth quarter, um, is really when I was just sitting there thinking to myself, like, Dude, I'm not even like, I can't even be mad anymore. You know, like I can't even like, and I'm not saying I was rooting for the guy, but I can't even like, I don't know. I've just like ran out of like emotion of like, I can't hate this dude. Like, I mean, I can't hate him, you know, and I can hate the uniform that he's wearing and all that stuff, but there is definitely a respect factor that factored into me. And it really, 
it hit me pretty hard during that Super Bowl, you know, especially, especially when they had two. I know we're kind of we're skipping to the way in and I know we're going to talk about a lot of stuff. But that moment for me was really just like uh, when that epitome moment, I should say, is when they were down, you know, three points with a minute 53 to go. You just knew it. You just knew like, man, they the 49ers had a chance. They've had they had God. They had many chances in the game. I know we're so going to talk chances. about it. They had so many chances. But as somebody who watches the Chiefs pretty often because they're always on national TV and then, you know, just naturally the Raiders play them twice a year. So I watch them more and, you know, I pay attention to them. You just know when you let these guys hang around, when you let them be down you know, just, you know, three points, four points, seven points, 10 points. When you're kind of in that range, no lead is safe versus those guys. Right. But that moment where I just was just had the ultimate, honestly, the ultimate respect for the dude was not only did he give you the drive that you needed to go like he didn't just deliver the drive that you needed. He delivered it twice. He delivered it twice, man. When they were down three with a minute 53 to go, um, it's not like you were tied and, hey, worst case, if we don't score here, you know, we at least we got another chance at overtime. No, it's you're down three. There's a difference there. You guys follow me? There's a difference when you're down versus when you're tied. When you have to absolutely have it. And guess what? He absolutely he got it. He got it and hats off to Harrison Butker because God, that that's, you know, tip the cap to that guy because that guy's been incredibly, incredibly clutch. You know, we're talking about greatest of all time. He might be one of the greatest field goal <laughs> no, kickers in the yeah. Super Bowl all time with Vinatieri, you know? Absolutely. Coincidentally, another Patriot that these two guys are you know, <laughs> compared to, right? But uh, anyway, the point is, is that like, when he absolutely had to have it, third and one, I'm taking the ball. He kept the ball and he scrambled around in, in on a design run or if it was an option, whatever it was, but he decided to keep the ball. In overtime, you're down three again. And in an absolutely have to deliver situation, the guy delivered and said, hey, you know what? I'm not giving you guys this ball back. You're not going to have a third possession in this overtime. I'm just going to go ahead and end it here. Um, and not settle for a field goal. We're we're going all the way down the field and we're scoring on you guys. So God, man. So to answer your question, Sammy, that moment where I knew it was just like, of course, the obvious answer is that minute 53. And again, we're gonna talk about the whole game, but really for me, and it was really that third quarter where I just kind of knew like, mm, like. They're not pulling away. They're not pulling away. The Niners got chances here, but they're not. They're not extending the lead. And you just kind of have that feeling of these dudes are going to find out. And that's what Andy Reid does. That's what Patrick Mahomes does. That's what Travis Kelsey does. You know, one catch in the first in the first half, you know, and he finished with nine catches for over 90 yards, I believe. Yep. So. These guys are big name are big game players and god damn did they show up? Did they freaking show up, man? Yeah, and that's been the story of the the entire dynasty, really, right? Like man, and this is a, now a dynasty and it's been headlined by that three-headed goat in Mahomes, in Travis Kelsey and in Andy Reid. Um Justin, I'm curious to see what you think about what transpired this past Sunday, uh, a lot of, you know, defensive playmaking going on in that game. Uh, I want you to give who you thought was the most impactful player on both teams. On both teams? Yeah. Like, so like it could be on the defensive side, on the defensive side of the ball. Who did you think was the most impactful? You could go with one team at the Chiefs. I mean, they are the Super Bowl winners. Honestly, I can't even do one person on the Chiefs because as a whole on that defense, I right. said it. I said it when we talked about it last time. That defensive backfield that the Chiefs have do not get the credit that they deserve. Between no. Trent McDuffie and Legarius Sneed, shut down the receiving core. Brandon Ayuk, an all-pro receiver, getting only three catches in the Super Bowl, 
Kittle, one of the top tight ends in the league. Where was he at the entire time? Nada. So honestly, I have to give it to pretty much all the D, that whole DB room in Kansas City. On the 49ers side, I have to give it to the linebacking core. I kid you not, if it Never wasn't for that, if it wasn't for that injury to Dre Greenlaw, it'd be a lot closer. And I will piggyback off the question that you asked Ricky before, but I'm just gonna finish your question. Um, that linebacker room is real. Right. I, no. I, we did get some Nick Bosa action because everybody keeps saying on the announcers that it was Joey Bosa. I'm like, why, why do y'all keep confusing the two? One actually plays, one is still injured. But anyways, there was a little bit of action on the defensive line between Armstead and Bosa, but it was really the linebackers flying around, limiting the runs, making sure that those screen passes didn't go as far as they could have. But I'm going to piggyback into Ricky's question and Ricky's question that he answered, which was what was the moment that you knew that the Chiefs were going to get this? It was two. I had two. One gave me suspicion. One gave me confirmation. Suspicion. Greenlaw's injury. The second this man got injured, just running onto the field, already gave me pause. Like, yep, this is gonna be some bullshit. <laughs> and then the confirmation was Moody missing that extra point because in that last possession with Patrick Mahomes, that one point is the difference between needing to kick a field goal to go into overtime and needing a touchdown to win the game. Unbelievable. And I will trust. As much as I may not like the 49ers, I will trust them to defend the end zone more than I would trust them to not have the Chiefs give up a field goal. And that's just that. That Those two moments right there spelt doom for San Francisco. And now it's caused a lot more issues, which we will definitely talk about later on this show. Yeah, and and I, I'll I'll tell you the moment I thought. I mean, look, Trent McDuffie, Steve, Steve Spagnola is one of the best defensive coordinators of all time, and and it's because he gave, he really did give Brock Purdy multiple different looks. He gave him something that Brock Purdy struggled with. Brock Purdy struggled with this against, uh, ironically, against the Cleveland Browns. And Steve Spagnola, for whatever reason, was the only defensive coordinator to implement it with success. They played a lot of man. They played a lot of cover zero. They brought the house on a lot of times. And there was one play where they decided to get their all pro corner, Trent McDuffie, who was involved in the Tyree kill trade. And he got you got the worth of that trade in that one play. You're blitzing your all pro corner. And he goes with such speed. Brock Purdy tries to get it out in time. And maybe the pass is accurate. But we will never know. Because Trent McDuffie batted that stuff to the ground. And I think at that point. When you're giving Patrick Mahomes a ball. With a minute 53 left. I don't care what kind of defense you're facing. This is a different beast. You're, this is a different beast of Patrick Mahomes. I mean it's Brady-esque. It's, it's Jordan-esque. Whatever goat you can think of-esque. Like it's unbelievable. How... It's unbelievable how it's six seasons in and it's like you don't want to you don't want to deal with that kind of stuff. You really don't. And I guess that brings me to the next question and our next topic of discussion. Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes. I mean, the dynasty, they say is just beginning. I thought it was just confirmation that this was a dynasty, but they're saying it's just beginning. I want you guys to give me an idea of where you guys give me an idea of where you think Andy Reid is going to end his career. Is it going to be with the Belichick, the Bill Walsh's of the world? Where would you rank Andy Reid's career? And I'll go to you, Justin, to start with that. Honestly, and this this is assuming one thing. Right now, I have Andy Reid as a top five coach with the way he's handled both the Chiefs and even the Eagles before that. If he can get that three P I will give him top three and that's as high as he's going to go only because I can see him retiring after that. Cause what else Andy Reed has to play for? What else does he have to coach for? He's already got his rings. He's about to chase after history, which I have a lot of ideas that a lot of people in Kansas city would end up either retiring or leaving if, and when 
they end up getting that three P because it's a strong possibility that they're going to hit that. So where do I see Andy Reid? Probably at highest number three on the list because I still have Bill Walsh and I still have uh, Belichick as the top two. Right, and you're absolutely right to to assume that because Andy Reid is on top of being one of the greatest offensive minds ever. I mean, he's had success even before Patrick Mahomes. So all he needed was his quarterback that he wanted in his image. And once he got it, it was over. I mean, he had been to Super Bowls. He had been to conference championship games. He just never seemed to get over the hump. It took him 15 years to get over that hump. And eventually he did. But it wouldn't have happened without Patrick Mahomes. Now, Ricky, I'm curious to hear what you think about Andy Reid because I know Look, I, you being a Raiders fan, I, I love hearing your opinion on the Chiefs because it makes me think to myself, I'm so glad that I don't have to deal with the boogeyman and that man, Patrick Mahomes, anymore. It reminds me of when I had to deal with Tom Brady. But I want, I, I'm want i curious to hear what you think about Andy Reid and where you think his career is going to end up with the all-time greats. You know, oddly enough, I actually don't have anything but great things to say about Andy Reid. <laughs> That's not what we wanted to hear. I know. <laughs> you know, again, oddly enough, um, yeah, I've always, I've, I've actually always been a fan of Andy Reid. You know, going back to his his days in Philly, um, you know, with the McNabs of the world, and uh, you know, Brian Westbrook and To for a stint, you know, and Todd Pinkston and Brian Dawkins and that whole crew, you know. Um, but I think, I think the nod. Um, I think you guys hit it pretty much right on the head. And I really love what Justin said, because the truth is, is like, you know, he's not a he's not a spring chicken. You know, he's not a you know, he's you know, I don't I don't want to, you know, he's not like a Pete Carroll who's running up and down the field and, you know, all that kind of stuff, you know, that kind of energy and all that. And, and you know, uh, Big Red, everybody loves the guy, but I mean, at the, at the same time, you know, he is an older gentleman. I don't know his exact age. I want to say he's pushing, you know, probably late 60s at this point. You know, maybe you guys could fact check me on that. I, but, you so know, I, I'll definitely fact check right now. But it, regardless, see, the man's in his, there you go, mid 60s. So, right. I mean, I think Justin, I think you hit it perfectly. You know, if they do complete that three-peat, and do something that literally has never been done in the NFL. And that benchmark of a three-peat in American sports, I mean, that is the benchmark. If I'm not mistaken, the last franchise to three-peat in American sports is the Lakers of the early 2000s with Shaq and Kobe. So, I mean, that it has it just hasn't been done. You know what I'm saying? So for them to if they were to if they were to complete it. Okay, as much as that, like, God, just freaking shoot me, you know, to, to see it, to see that happen in my division. Um, I do think he walks away, you know, and I think he probably ends up being number two. And if and people would argue, you know, the big argument would be, you know, the Belichick, the whole reason, you know, the whole argument, the whole knock on Belichick, right? Belichick right now is he didn't have success before Tom Brady. And Andy Reid did, you know, before Patrick Mahomes. And he didn't have the Super Bowl success, but he had success nonetheless at a pretty high level. So I, I think he would be right up there at two, uh, to be completely honest with you. Um, if he if they completed the three-peat, you know, and he calls it quits at four, four Super Bowls and God knows how many conference championship games and division titles and all that stuff. Um but the caveat to that is, man, it's it's hard to walk away from a Patrick Mahomes, you know, at, at, at that age. He would be, what, 29, you know, to yeah, walk away I, from I, that. that That's the I caveat. Agree. You know, if you're playing devil's advocate, you know, why would you want to walk away other than, you know, at this point, just, you know, health and, you know, age. You know what I'm saying? But, I, you know, they they really they don't seem satisfied. This is kind of the crazy thing, man. You know, you hear them talking on the podium and, you know, Travis Kelsey's already talking about next year, you know, and like you said, Sammy, they're saying what? Oh, is they, they asked. They're just getting started. Exactly. There's just, they're saying like, they're just getting started. And it's, oh God, man. <laughs> it's just. <laughs> I think everybody that's an NFL team is, is thinking to themselves, damn, we thought we escaped it. And we did it. 
because it was in New England, it was in the north the northeast, and now it's in in Kansas City. And, yeah. and unfortunately, we're gonna have to we might have to deal with it. You want to add one more thing, Ricky? Yeah, one more thing. And, I, and by the way, I'm just not gonna crown them. They're not uh, the uh, three P. You know, I'm not gonna. They're a dynasty. That's confirmed. That's out. That's done with. They are a dynasty. But to go for the three P, man, I mean, I'm just not gonna crown them, you know, and say today, right now, that they're gonna win a third Super Bowl, you know, back to back to back because they got a lot of guys, you know, Chris Jones, um, I believe only only signed for he signed for one year. One he year, one right? Year. Yeah. So, so I mean, up there. Chris Jones is gonna want to get paid Aaron Donald money. He's gonna want quarterback money. You know, these guys, uh, you know, they have other uh, other guys. I was reading some stuff on LeJarrius Sneed, and they're they're going to need to work something out, and they're going to have to have that, like, all-in kind of mindset to complete that. But to, uh, you know, to go back to the question, the original question, if, the big if, if they're able to pull it off, I think Andy Reid catapults himself above the Walshes and, uh, the Shulas, and I think he catapults himself right there, neck and neck with uh, with Bill. And then your argument would just be, uh, but Andy had more success, you know, without his quarterback, you know, that won him all the titles. Yeah, that's definitely the knock that Bill Belichick is going to get throughout his, you know, when he does eventually retire and, and he's going to get, of course, his flowers. But when Andy Reid retires... Man, look, if he completes his 3P, in my opinion, it's hard to argue that he isn't the greatest coach, the NFL coach ever. I mean, quite simply because no one's ever done it. And the fact that you do something that no one's ever done, that is, it's unprecedented. And if it's never been done and you break that mold, you should be at the top of the mountain to some. Don Shula, to a lot of people, think, hey, you might think he's the greatest head coach ever, right? So... I, now, with that being said, do I think that's the case? I think Bill Belichick is the greatest head coach ever. I think he's the greatest defensive mind ever. I think you got to put Andy Reid up there as the greatest offensive mind ever because quite, quite simply, there has never been a mind as innovative as his. Now, I want to give I want to give Andy Reid more flowers because I just think that Patrick Mahomes, as great as he is, I think Patrick Mahomes gets a lot of the credit and for good reason but i'd never hear about andy reed and i think andy reed i understand he didn't have the super bowl success before patrick mahomes but he had success and and many coaches wish that they'll, they'll they'd have the success that andy reed had before he got to, he got kansas city those three super bowls so now, of course, every coach wants to win the Super Bowl, but a lot of coaches want to get to the Super Bowl. So I think Andy Reid 1000% deserves his flowers. Um, but let's talk about the coach on the other side. That had a lot, a lot of animosity thrown towards his way that involved both his decisions in the fourth quarter and third, the second half of the game and his decision in OT to receive the kick first. And I have the quote right here because I came prepared and I knew that Shanahan was going to say some bull crap after the game. We all knew it. And we, and I didn't, I didn't think what I thought was it wasn't going to get any worse. It wasn't going to get any worse guys than the Niners not knowing the rules. But on top of that, Here's Shanahan's way of thinking and why he believed receiving the ball would have worked out in his favor. Quote, we wanted the ball third. If both teams matched and scored, we wanted to be the ones who had the chance to go win. Now, I have my two cents on this situation, but I'm not going to go to me yet because quite frankly, I'm a little bit intense right now and I don't want to, you know, spoil my energy until it's well needed. So with that being said, I'm going to go to one of my distinguished gentlemen to my, the bottom and to my left, my right. You guys know what it is. I'll go to Ricky here. What did you think of this absolutely questionable decision in OT? And what do you think of how Shanahan coached the game yesterday? If I could back it up, uh, just answer, I guess, this, the second part of your question first. And then go into the overtime only because 
of how the game played out. Of course. <clears throat> for me, for me, Kyle Shanahan really started to let this game slip away right out the gates in the second half. Okay, when you know Patrick Mahomes gets the ball first, the Chiefs get the ball first, and what does Patrick Mahomes do? He airmails um, a throw to Travis Kelsey. The 49ers come down with an interception on their own end of the field. Okay, talk about all the freaking momentum shifting into your favor. Because if there's one guy who does not turn the ball over, it's that guy. You know, if you would have asked me, hey, who do you think is going to throw a pick in this game? Brock Purdy or uh, Patrick Mahomes? We all would have said what? Pat, Brock, Brock, Brock Purdy. 1,000%. So that sequence... <clears throat> I want to go. I want to really quickly go through their their first three possessions in the third quarter. Right after, the, right after the interception, first and ten. Brock Purdy incomplete. Brock Purdy pass incomplete. And then there's a false start penalty. So second and fifteen. Brock Purdy pass incomplete short left to Debo Samuel. Third and fifteen. Brock Purdy scrambles for four yards and then a punt. So you come out the gates three straight pass plays. After what? After you have the momentum, you know, so you you have that on your side. You're on your own end of the field and then you go out, you get out of field goal range because of the of the false start penalty. But where where is, you know, where is McCaffrey? Now, I know they were doing a great job on him, you know, they but were. to come out and go three straight pass plays and then they 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 get the ball back. They force another punt. And then it's another Brock Purdy short pass left for minus eight yards. Second and 18, Brock Purdy short pass left to Christian McCaffrey for seven yards. Third and 11, Brock Purdy incomplete pass to George Kittle. So just six straight pass plays right out the gate. And you, like like uh, like Justin says right there, 28-3 sequel. You know, what was the knock on that 28-3? You know, with Kyle Shanahan's uh, play calling was they abandoned the run game. And I get it. I get it. You know, like you look at the box score and McCaffrey did have 22 carries. Okay. But I think it's just the times of that, of those carries, you know, when you have that momentum, you got the ball, you know, um, and you come on, you throw six straight pass plays right out the gate, which you're just, what you're doing. And then, and then just to kind of throw the cherry on top the their next time that they got the ball. Okay. <laughs> they, they threw it, they threw it two more times and only ran the ball once. So your first nine plays on offense, you just completely get away from the offensive player of the year. And you put the ball in Brock Purdy's hands. And not that he was playing a bad game or anything like that, but but you you pretty much said, hey, Brock, go get this lead and separate this lead for us. You know, but when you got a Christian McCaffrey there, you know, why not? Go to that. Why not go to that? What got you to the dance? What is the engine to that offense? Go to Christian McCaffrey, man, and separate yourself. Because because when I said it earlier, when you let this team just kind of hang around, one possession, one possession, one possession, I really feel like they, they started to let that game slip away in that third quarter. And then after that third possession, the Chiefs get the ball back, they punt, and then we all know what happened on that punt. Right. And then boom, momentum shift. And all of a sudden, all of a sudden, all of a sudden, <laughs> you look up at that scoreboard and you feel like, damn, we should have been up probably 17-3. You know, you know, we should have been up maybe 20 or to more. three. Or more, yeah. yeah. Right. So for me, the questionable play calling was was really was really in that third quarter. It's just kind of when I feel like it was just a lost quarter for them. You know, if anything, but to fast forward, um, your question was about the, um, well, yeah, my original question was about OT that that was kind of the first part. Cause that's the, the part I really wanted to get into because of his quote, but I love the points that you're making. I think, you know, a lot of people have been defending Shanahan and how great of a head coach that he's been. And I feel like, no, we got to call him out on stuff like this, where you can't you said it yourself one run play in three straight possessions where you're just passing 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 that's unacceptable and now i guess your thoughts on the ot decision to receive look to give him the the little benefit of the doubt 
this was the first time in the postseason that this uh, the the overtime rule had changed. So this was the very first time. So there's kind of I know he said, oh, we looked at the analytics, but like what analytics did you look at if there was like this is this has never been proved like there's no data to go off of, you know, if oh, if I get the ball first, then the percentages is this and that. I think really the biggest part was just the part that just irritated the hell out of me. And I don't even know why they admitted to this publicly, you know, especially after the game. Excuse me. Is that, you know, Kyle Juszczyk didn't even know the rules. Didn't even know the rules changed. You know, Eric, Ar- Eric Armstead, you know, said, you know, I oh, I guess if we score, the game's not over. <laughs> like, how do you not know that? When the NFL gives you two weeks to prepare, they give you two weeks. You got 14 days, right, to leave no stone unturned. And coincidentally, this is the guy who was in the only other Super Bowl that went to overtime. You know, I know the rules hadn't changed yet, but I mean, coincidentally, hey, you know, I've been in overtime. Maybe I should talk to my team and kind of fill everybody in on on what the what the game plan is with the overtime. So I think that really bugged me. And I feel like that really was the difference in that's that's just the difference, man. That little tiny detail in a Kyle Shanahan and an Andy Reid, you know, because Chris Jones talked about it, that they reviewed and went over all of those rules. What, hey, every single week, not just the Super Bowl, every single week of the playoffs, every step of the way, they talked about that. They had overtime meetings. They were prepared for any and any any and every situation possible that these guys are going to be in. So I think, man, you know, so again, there's no data to go off of the decision to take the ball or to kick the ball off. But regardless, the Chiefs kind of confirmed to you like, hey, like, yeah, that was your move, but we would have checkmated you anyway. You were never going to get the you were never going to get the ball back. You were never going to get a third possession. Chris Jones confirmed it. Yep. Because Chris Jones said, and even Patrick Mahomes said, you know, when he was interviewing at freaking Disneyland, he (laughs) said what? (laughs) He said, hey, if if they would have scored a touchdown and we would have answered, we would have gone for two. You know, so they would have never got a third possession in the first place. So they freaking, honestly, they checkmated Kyle Shanahan from the freaking very beginning. He played right into their hand when he said, "What we want the ball," and we all and, and we all saw what happened. You know, they really they made him pay. They made him pay, and they 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 cost themselves a Super Bowl. Yeah, one thing I'm never gonna do is give Patrick Mahomes the ball second and let us decide how many points that he has to put up. If anything, I'm giving it to Patrick Mahomes. Hey, put up your little points, whatever you're doing. And then we're going to match you or we're going to surpass you. At this point, you should know who you're dealing with. Kyle Shanahan has played this team twice. The way they play is that they play to win. Every team should play like that. But this team is different because this team has won it. And you should know by now that Patrick Mahomes is a different kind of animal. And the odds of him getting stopped in situations like these, very, very different. So... I'm going to go to you, Justin, before I kind of like set hit the head on the nail, head of, head of the nail, because I, I see it 28-3, the sequel. We all see it here. Everybody with eyes can see it. Kyle Shanahan did it again. He didn't run the ball. So, Justin, what do you think, man? What, what What's going on with Shanahan? Why does he keep on making these same mistakes? Oh, I'm up. I'm going to take you back to history. We're going to go back to Super Bowl 49. That has oh, nothing boy, to do with go. Kyle Shanahan. It was the Patriots and the Seahawks. And we all remember that last play, right? You know, yes. when they should have ran the ball and they decided to pass the ball. Here's what happened. Or at least here's how I see it happening. Kyle Shanahan wanted to be cute. Kyle Shanahan wanted the glory that if they were going to win the Super Bowl, it was going to be because of his offensive scheme and off the arm of Brock Purdy. And that should not have been the case at all. Rick, you said it yourself about all the pass plays they did in that third quarter. That's all that was. 
you literally have an all pro running back behind you that if it wasn't for that fumble in the first quarter had an absolutely perfect half first half of football he was torching that defense and if i were them with that slim of a lead no offense 22 carries but i'm gonna run you to the ground it's literally the super bowl Mm-hmm. And McCaffrey would have been all for it. But they got away from that. They they wanted to be cute. They wanted to play it off of Brock Purdy. Let's give him a chance to prove the doubters wrong and show that he's not a game manager. And what you did was essentially open up Brock Purdy to more criticism than what he should be getting. Because let's be honest, we should be praising the fact that a very last pick in the draft in his first two seasons has made an NFC championship game, which I, I'm all honestly believe that they would have beaten him if it wasn't for that injury and has made a Super Bowl. That is progress. But now he's going to be dealing with a lot more scrutiny because Kyle Shanahan decided we're going to not run the ball. We're going to pass the ball. And getting off of that and going into the whole OT thing, this is the first year. Yes. Here's the thing. We have been talking, and I mean we as in the NFL, officiating crews, the uh, Players Association, teams, everybody has been talking about this rule ever since that AFC Championship game between the Chiefs and the Bills that led to this change. So are you really going to tell me that throughout that whole time and the two weeks leading up to the Super Bowl, the players didn't know the rules? You're going to tell me that the coaching staff talked about it, but you didn't share it with the players? Y'all have position meetings and y'all have team meetings. You're really going to tell me this was never a discussion. Because if you're really going to tell me that that was the case, that is telling me that you really did not want this win. Because you should be prepared for everything. I do not play football. I do not play in the NFL. And reading the rules... I already knew that the best strategy, if you win the coin toss, defer it, kick it. Why? Because you want to see what that team is going to do. Are they going to put up three? Are they going to put up seven? Are they going to put up nothing? That way you can respond and end the game yourself on your own terms. Yes, historically, overtime has always been you wanted the ball first. Because if you scored the touchdown, game was over. And if you scored three, they had a chance. But times change. There was an OT rule before that when if they kicked the field goal, the game was over and that evolved. And guess what? Nobody complained about, oh, we didn't know the rules when that change happened. So this can't be an excuse now that y'all didn't know the rules. Y'all are professional players, professional coaches. Y'all get paid millions of dollars to do this. And you're really going to tell me that the one possibility that can happen, which is, hey, this game can't possibly go to overtime because we are two of the best teams in the NFL and y'all didn't account for any kind of strategy for that. I don't believe that shit whatsoever. Yeah, and it's easy to really decipher what to do on OT. There's no analytics behind it, but if you go to college and the way that they do OT, it's pretty much the exact same concept except they start at what the 25 yard line and are pretty much guaranteed 25 point three points the difference being well you have to actually go down the field and if you don't go down the field you're cooked so i i don't understand why shanahan thought to himself well we're gonna get the ball third like who wants to get the ball third in a situation like this why would you get i understand giving rest to your defense you got to understand something your defense was not stopping patrick mahomes anyway so it's better to just see what you have to deal with and match it from there so you game plan from there and it's utterly ridiculous that kyle shanahan who is as smart as he is actually had this kind of situation and it's and make no mistake about it this is a stain on the organization it is because as an organization and as a team how justin you mentioned this how in the world throughout the two years that this rule has been existing the two weeks up to this to up to this super bowl you didn't discuss the rule once 
That's unbelievable. Either your players, either your players were not paying attention, which is would be very, very uncharacteristic because these team, these players are in the Super Bowl for crying out loud. Or you simply did not inform them. And in my opinion, that is ridiculous. But even if, even if you informed them, it wouldn't have excused the decision that you made. The decision that you made, which is getting the ball first and giving the ball to Patrick Mahomes the second, basically saying, we're going to shoot first and you miss it. And now you're asking Patrick Mahomes to shoot it. He's never missing. And he hasn't missed for a very long time. Now, there is another QB at the other side in San Francisco who faced a lot of scrutiny coming into this game. Scrutiny that I feel like he didn't deserve, but scrutiny nonetheless. Mr. Irrelevant Brock Purdy seemed to have shut up the haters for a little bit until the Super Bowl came and the haters came back. Many calling him a game manager, many saying that he's not that good, many saying that he's carried by his team. Regardless of what you may think about Brock Purdy, the fact of the matter is this. He was Mr. Irrelevant, and he made it to his Super Bowl and an NFC Championship game his first two years. And that, in and of itself, should be celebrated. But this has everything to do with the fact of one thing. The NFL, the NFL fans around the world, there is a bias. There is a bias against QBs like Brock Purdy. Bias against QBs like Kirk Cousins. Bias against QBs like Tua Tagovailoa. And the reason for that bias is ironically the man Brock Purdy had to go and dethrone. Patrick Mahomes changed everything, ladies and gentlemen. He really did. And I hate to toot this horn once again, but Patrick Mahomes changed the idea of every single general manager, every single owner on what they want in a QB. It doesn't matter if you can read the field that well. It doesn't matter if you can jump. It doesn't matter if you can throw with anticipation. It doesn't matter if you play the smart way. At the end of the day, they want to see what kind of throws you make. They want to see what kind of ability and talent that you have. And ironically, this trend has been happening for years now. Think about what pe- when people think top QBs in the league, who do they mention? They mention Josh Allen. They mention Justin Herbert. They mention quarterbacks with elite talent, but you'll never hear names like Brock Purdy up there. You will ne- You probably won't hear names like Dak Prescott. You probably won't hear names like Kirk Cousins. And you're probably right when talking about those QBs compared to those Q- QBs. You're probably right. But the discourse on both of them is very different. The criticism on one side is very different from the criticism on the other side. Now, I want to keep this about Brock Purdy because Brock Purdy played well. Let's not make any mistake about it. Brock Purdy played very well in this game. With that being said, did Brock Purdy prove himself? That's the question. And in my opinion, if you go to the NFC Championship game in the Super Bowl in your first two years, it's going to take a lot to say that you suck. It's going to take a lot to say that you're not that guy. Because the fact that you can get to the dance and take a team to overtime and have one good extra point, one muffed punt, one coaching decision away from winning it all. I think Brock Purdy proved that he is the franchise quarterback for the Niners. But will the rest of the league think that? Will the rest of the NFL think that? I don't think so. And it's not Brock Purdy's fault. The fact of the matter is this. Brock Purdy is going to have to do some insane stuff in order to prove him wrong. And by insane, I mean go back to the Super Bowl and win it. But the reality is the odds of that happening are now slimmer than ever because you got Patrick Mahomes coming back. Joe Burrow is coming back. Justin Herbert now has a head coach that's competent. You know Josh Allen's going to be there. And then on the other side, Dallas, you know they're going to come back with a vengeance. The Detroit Lions... The Philadelphia Eagles. I feel like the Niners had a lot of... If the Niners were going to win the Super Bowl, it was going to be this year. And Brock Purdy was going to win it all. But he didn't. And now the road back is going to be as hard as ever. So did Brock Purdy prove himself? To me, he did. 
but I want to know what you guys think. I'm going to go to you, Ricky. Actually, no, I'll go to Justin here first because, Justin, you told me at the beginning of the show that you weren't very sure, and I want a definitive answer now. Actually, you gave me a definitive answer, but I'm going to hold the suspense. Did Brock Purdy prove himself here in the Super Bowl this past Sunday? I said it even a couple of minutes ago. Do I think he do I think he proved himself? Yes. I think he proved himself to be a franchise quarterback for the 49ers. And I think he is somebody that can lead an offense deep into a playoff run and has proven to lead him into a Super Bowl. Do I think that he proved himself to everybody else? No. And why do I think that? Honestly, because there is this thing there there is a bias against quarterbacks i will i will agree with you on that but i have a different bias there is this thing with quarterbacks that unless you can start immediately and you are a high draft pick you are nobody you just named a bunch of quarterbacks kirk cousins brock purdy guess what not high draft picks russell wilson did not get his respect until he won that Super Bowl either. And a lot more after that. Let's look at some of the quarterbacks who actually made it into the playoffs. I'm looking at Dak. I'm looking at Mahomes. I'm looking at Purdy. I'm looking at Lamar. And I'm looking at a few others. You know what's the one thing they have in common that NFL fans and pundits just don't want to see happen anymore? They backed up a quarterback for at least half a year, if not a full year. They learned behind other quarterbacks. Mm. And they played a lot better because of it. And we could keep going down the list of quarterbacks who have done it. Herbert, I feel like if he had a full year behind Tyrod instead of just a couple of games, would be much better quarterback at this rate. And I could say that about a lot of other ones. There is this thing that for quarterbacks... It's sink and swim, sink or swim. And unfortunately, because of the season CJ Stroud had as a rookie, it's going to continue. It's going to get worse. I'm I'm a big believer in the quarterback position. Quarterbacks need to take their rookie year off and learn behind a veteran. Because there are so many aspects to an offense and so many aspects to the game itself that a quarterback has to retain. And unfortunately, you can't just throw a quarterback onto the field and hope for the best that things work. Because guess what? Then you have the situation that's going on in Carolina right now. Mm. And unfortunately, it does not work. You can say what you want. Brock Perry learned behind Jimmy Garoppolo and Patrick Mahomes learned behind Alex Smith. And there are much better quarterbacks because of that. Because I bet you damn well if you just threw them in as a rookie, they would not have the seasons they had like the careers they have so far. So that's the bias I think about when it comes to quarterbacks. But ha- did Brock Purdy prove himself? To me, yes. To the pundits, unfortunately not. And that's a shame, really, because Brock Purdy did, really did deserve, in my opinion, he, of all of them, deserved to win that game. He didn't make a mistake in that game, in my opinion. I felt like every maybe he should have done, could have done things better. But in that game, every single mistake was made by everybody else. And it's very, very ironic, man. Ayuk and Debo Samuel couldn't provide separation. Kyle Shanahan wasn't dialing up the correct plays. The muffed punt, the fumble, even Christian McCaffrey, who was playing well throughout the game in both sides, both running the ball, football, and and in the passing game, even Christian McCaffrey fumbled the ball. So I think Brock Purdy... He proved himself, and it's unfortunate that, you know, he had to lose his game, and some of his critics are still going to be critiquing. But, Ricky, I'm going to go to you. Did Brock Purdy prove himself in Sunday's game? Did Brock Purdy prove himself? To me, he proved himself that he is uh, a top 8 to 10, maybe 7 to 10 quarterback range in the NFL. I think he's proved himself enough to remove that. Oh, but he's Mr. Irrelevant. You know, he was the 262nd pick in the draft. Like, I, I, I don't think that stuff matters anymore, you know, because because of what he's proved, um, you know, to do what he has done 
uh, in just a, a really short period of time and really just kind of hit the ground running the, the second he came in into into the game again, uh, with the 49ers. So did he prove himself? Uh, I think Justin was right. I don't not to everybody, you know, and it's kind of unfair. The guy had to win the Super Bowl to prove that he is that he belongs, you know, that that he belongs in the NFL. Now, here's the thing. Again, to me, he's a seven to ten quarterback range. I don't, you know, I don't like all the 49er fans, you know, they, they think he's Montana. They think he's a, you know, a top five elite quarterback because he, he had a, a, a nice statistical year. Um, he's, uh, you know, that, that, um, that stigma that like KD has about, was he the bus driver in Golden State? Right. You know, yeah. um, I think that's kind of how people are looking at it here. I don't think brock purdy is is being driven around in the bus you know for the niners but i also don't think he is driving the bus i think he's somewhere kind of right there in those front few seat few seats of the bus you know of that 49er organization but did he prove himself to me i mean in the first half of that game honestly he looked like the better quarterback as weird as that sounds right in the first half of that game you know it's just unfortunately he had to play uh you know you know, Patrick Mahomes on the other side of the field, you know, he was stepping up in the pocket. He was moving around when he needed to. But, you know, the, the Chiefs just did what they had to do, you know, pressure him, you know, make him a little bit uncomfortable. And but I don't think the moment was too big for him. You know, it, it didn't look like he was shaken up or rattled to be in that moment. So he to me he's gotten past that stigma of oh he's the he's the last pick in the draft because you know with tom brady you know pick what was he 199 right or six rounder you know like eventually we forgot about that stuff you know we forgot about that and we didn't hold that to him anymore you know oh he's good for being a six rounder brock purdy no he's not good for being mr relevant he's a good football player he's a good quarterback for that specific team he's perfect for the San Francisco 49ers. And that's what you want as an organization. You want to find the guy who is perfect for you and what works for you. And it works for him. It's just, uh, oh, my light went out. It's just <laughs> unfortunate that he had to win this Super Bowl to, you know, to, to take that stigma completely off of the guy. Um, and, you know, if we look at it, you know, history is not really on his side to win a Super Bowl because the, the last 18 starting quarterbacks to start and lose your Super Bowl debut have not been back. You know, uh, Jalen Hurts, Joe Burrow, Jimmy Garoppolo, Jared Goff, Matt Ryan, Cam Newton, Colin Kaepernick. Like, history is not on his side, you know. And eventually, at some point, he's got to get paid as well. I mean, the guy's making 800 grand a year, you know. <laughs> I'll take That's, that money. <laughs> <laughs> I know we all would, but I mean, for a starting NFL quarterback, absolutely, Bowl, I agree. Yes. A Super Bowl quarterback, any uh, uh, NFC Championship level quarterback. I mean. I guess that's the, I, I don't, I don't know, um, you know, did, did he now, now, as I'm saying this, did he like blow me out the water completely no. in the game? No, he didn't. No, he didn't either. You know, because when they did need it most, I mean, he was only able to come up with field goals and we all know that that's just, a, just, just not good enough versus that team, you know, and it's a little bit unfair, but you know, I have major respect for Brock. Um, you know, there's only, a, there's probably maybe i can only rattle off maybe seven quarterbacks right off the top of my head that i would definitively take over him at this point right and that leads me to play to end the episode here we are talking about brock purdy uh, i want to quickly shout out the pick aside podcast for giving me this idea and I, I would imagine a lot of people have done this idea Brock Purdy is one of those QBs that has a lot of scrutiny, but there are also other QBs that we compare to him. So I'm just going to play a quick would you rather with Brock Purdy. I'm going to name the QB and you guys are going to tell me who you personally would rather have, Justin and Ricky. It's going to be completely off the dome. Do not be afraid to answer definitively. Let's get started. The first name up, Tua Tagovailoa. Would you rather Brock Purdy or Tua? Brock. Brock. I take Brock too. Next up, we're gonna have Kirk Cousins. 
Kirk. Healthy Kirk, you know, uh, obviously we don't know what he's going to look like when he comes back. You know, he's not a, you know, he's not a, a 26 year old dude, you know, Kirk's in his thirties. Um, right. And, right. And, 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 and it doesn't help. That Achilles. Exactly. It doesn't help. You that know, uh, so, you know, if, if without the Achilles tear, I would probably say Kirk, but you know, this is the reality that we live in. He did tear, tear his Achilles. So I would probably take Brock. Yeah, I'd take Brock too. I think Brock is is one of those QBs. He's still young and he does ev- pretty much everything similar to Kirk, in my opinion. He does he, it's pretty much the similar weapons. He just has a better offensive coach, in my opinion, and a better running back, clearly. Next name up, Dakota Prescott, Dak Prescott. Jesus Christ, I am taking Brock because unfortunately with <laughs> Dak and I see him twice a year, He'll get you through the regular season, but he won't get you out of the wild card. At least Brock gets you to the dance. Hmm. Interesting. Interesting. I, 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 would you agree, Ricky? Yeah, I don't trust Brock. I mean, I'm sorry. Excuse me. I don't trust Dak as far as I could throw him. And you know, he's Isn't a big dude. Something? I can't throw him. <laughs> Isn't that something that Dak has been in the league for as long as he has? And, and yet we are trusting Brock Purdy to lead us to playoff wins more and this is not an indictment on brock purdy whatsoever but i'm just saying that just a testament that dak prescott for as good as he is in my opinion he has underwhelmed more than he has overwhelmed so next name up yeah if i was a gm i'd have both of them on my depth chart i will start dak the entire 17 weeks second we get to the playoffs you're being benched my goodness that's, just, that's how strong it is. that's an insane amount of hate and i respect it let me tell you all right next name up jalen hurts this is probably going to be the last one i'm going brock oh jalen hurts I- i'm so sorry he needs a specific type of offense in order to be successful in the league and we've seen it this past season what happens when he's not in that offense what about you, Ricky? Who would you rather have, Mr. Hurts or Mr. Brock Purdy? Yeah, I would still take Jalen Hurts. Um, you know, they both have, uh, you know, Jalen's been to the playoffs three times now. Um, you know, he's been to the Super Bowl just like Brock has, you know. Um, and in the same time, you know, in the same, Jalen was a second-year starter and got to the Super Bowl and had one of the best Super Bowl performances ever, if you guys remember that. Okay, um, look, if you don't look at look at his numbers and go look at the tape of, of Super Bowl 57, Jalen Hurts, he was the best player on that field. So amazing. And that then his day. offensive coordinator left and then look what happened to him. I understand. I understand that. But I mean, we're still we're still yet to see that with with Brock. You know, he, he hasn't. I don't think Brock will ever experience that situation since Kyle Shanahan is the play caller. Yeah, exactly. So. Exactly. Well, it's but I know we got like maybe two minutes until we hit the hour mark, but that brings me to another topic I had in my head that I want to bring up to y'all. So let's say Kansas City hits that three P and Andy Reid, Travis Kelsey, probably some members of that offensive line all retire. Do y'all think that Patrick Mahomes could retain that success he's been having with a whole new coaching regime? Yes. I think he would one thousand percent. At this point, I at this point, yes, because I mean, you you get rid of Tyreek Hill, and that was supposedly was supposed to be their death sentence, and they won the Super Bowl. You know, they uh, the enemy moved on, you know, and went to Washington, and that was supposed to be another death wish, you know, uh, you know, the kiss of death to them, and um, and yeah, you know, I actually at this point, I actually do believe it. Now at that same at that same pace that i don't know but to think they would just go away completely because of you know of, of that retirement and whatnot i don't think so not at this point I, I think i think he would still maintain a very high level of play right and 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 another thing is that andy reed is no like you said it andy reed's no spring chicken but if he does stay a little while longer like say he coaches till he's because it's entirely possible that he coaches till he's 70 years old i think that's definitely there's definitely a scenario where he does in those five years i'm not saying he can catch brady in terms of like rings 
but he can he definitely has a chance to statistically surpass some of the all-time great quarterbacks in that mark in the pace that he's in and mind you the kansas city chiefs are working to get the weapons back i don't think they're content with having this same team going running it back i think they want to improve on the offensive side of the ball in case some of these defensive pieces that were so important like legerius need like a chris jones i think if those pieces move on i don't think i don't think brett veach the gm for the kansas city chiefs is going to sit on his ass and just like not do anything about it he's going to want to try to get some weapons to come in and support Mr. Patrick Holmes. With that being said, we had a lot to talk about this this day. And you know what? We want to thank all of you for watching. From Justin, from Ricky, I am Sammy Hot Takes. This has been the House Call Sports. This has been the Gridiron segment here on House Call Sports. That'll be it for us. Peace out. I'm going to take the Packers to cover seven and a half points. Give me the Texans plus.